0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, talks with Holly Briggs, Head of Global Products Management at Loomis Sales, about investing in US shares, how they select companies to invest in, and what future opportunities may be found in the US market.
1: Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. We're continuing this series of interviews with some of the superstars of the investment world outside of Barclays, some of whom, as you know, we use to help populate the multi-asset class funds and portfolios uh, the teams here painstakingly create and maintain on your behalf. Holly Briggs is uh, of Loomis is the superstar of this week. We'll get to her in a minute. First up, in terms of the news of the day, it's obviously primarily still the kind of fallout from Russia uh, after a really very strange 48 hours over the weekend uh, I mean the main thing from us we don't pr- pretend to have an edge here but beware the uh, mass of armchair generals telling you exactly what it all means all while stroking and knowledgeably stroking their facial hair Um mm-hmm. the other bit I think which is worth just bearing in mind is we are seeing uh, this is the theme we've been talking about a lot over the last six months maybe too much but we are seeing a lot of excitement growing excitement this week and last week about the potential for generative AI large language models this really do- is beginning 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 to feel more tangibly like the next general purpose technology. So that's something that's kind of, you know, influencing investors as well. Anyway, Holly, let's hear from you. Thank you very much again for fitting us into your very busy diary. Much appreciated. Pleasure to
0: be here, Will. Thank you. Lovely to
1: see you again. And let's start off with uh, a day in the life. Is there such a thing as an average day for you and the team? Give us some highlights.
0: Well, you know, every day, I suppose, for all of us, if we're lucky, is a little bit different. But our team has seven uh, dedicated research analysts, and our investment process relies 100% on bottom-up fundamental research. So in a given day, our analysts spend a lot of time reading, writing, and building valuation models. And our models are typically forward-looking for at least 10 years. Of course, we're listening to each quarter's earnings calls. We're writing up our notes, adjusting models as need be we speak with management often on a follow-up call to earnings we host management teams on site uh, the CEOs of Disney and Block were recent visitors engagement with management is key part of our process
1: interesting interesting and, and just following on from that you know what's the geekiest most specialist thing you've ever heard of or seen uh, the team doing in pursuit of the necessary edge over the competition. I- I've told—I'm uh, sure I've told this one before—but I-, I remember as a very young food retail analyst, equity analyst, watching one of the senior guys, Don. Uh, we went on a supermarket tour, and he donned white gloves and he ran his finger along the shelves for good, better, best, uh, in order to try and get an ascent—you uh, know—a a margin assumption ahead of everyone else. So I felt that was probably a step too far. But have you got comparable stories? <laughs>
0: I, I, I would say geeky is something that defines what we do. Uh, we have a, a concentrated portfolio. It's only got 34 names in it right now. It's very low turnover. So gosh, sometimes people say, what what do you guys do? <laughs> and we say, well, you know, we get paid to think, not act. So we do spend a lot of time. Given our focused low turnover portfolio, each analyst in a given year only looks at about five names. So that means we can spend two and a half to three months uh, on a given name. So we do a really deep dive. And for us, that's where uh, risk management starts. But I would say the geekiest thing I've seen that comes to mind is with our, our pharmaceutical analyst. Not only are we doing competitive analysis and looking at the therapies and treatments that are in the marketplace today, we're actually doing competitive analysis on every late stage therapy in their pipeline. And this means looking horizontally and laterally to all the competitors of whatever the category of treatment might be. So this can be a very big spreadsheet. And I remember once being in a meeting with company management, we had that spreadsheet in front of us and we were asking them questions about compounds and therapies and treatments that were in the pipeline and and they they leaned over and they said what what are you looking at can can we see a copy of that (laughs) it's
1: amazing (laughs) that is amazing that beats my story hands down so thank you (laughs) now now holly obviously at the moment we're living through a period of kind of considerable i just mentioned it the introduction that the considerable excitement about the technological frontier uh, and where it could move into to in the coming years in terms of the companies you and the guys cover is there one advance in particular that is getting you really excited?
0: You know, I think sometimes people and investors think that innovation happens quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you blink, you might miss it. Mm -hmm. We actually believe and have experienced that it takes much longer Mm -hmm. to develop um, the technologies and transition than uh, most folks think. And these types of secular shifts can actually take decades to play out. Uh, so a lot of talk about generative AI, as you mentioned. We believe there'll be a lot of pretenders out there. And that we will, would warn against... They already are, I think. There <laughs> already are, right? indeed. Uh, so we would warn against just sort of general thematic investing. We are very much bottom-up uh, stock selection. So, you know, the obvious one out there is NVIDIA. All roads lead to NVIDIA when it comes to AI, so they say. And we've been an investor in NVIDIA in 2019. Uh, We've owned it nonstop. We weren't, quote, taking profits in the first quarter. We had a full position going into the second quarter when that wonderful earnings uh, note came out. Um, But when we bought NVIDIA in 2019, data centers and AI only accounted for about 20% of their revenue. Mm. Uh, But for us, it was the largest future addressable market with the lowest penetration. They only just crossed over 50% of revenue in the data center AI last year. So it's still uh, very early days, a lot of excitement. But it's not really a new party. We think we own some other of the few beneficiaries over the long term for AI, which include Microsoft, Mm -hmm. Alphabet, Meta, Amazon. Some of the big guys, Um, Some of those companies have been in the portfolio since inception in 2006.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, obviously, listeners, as usual, the familiar warning is that you know none of that should be taken as a recommendation to buy those individual shares from Holly. That's uh, Holly is using these as illustrative of the process and the the, the way that they um, get these holdings to interact with each other. So just, just just to bear in mind. Yeah.
0: Can I add one other yes, thing? Yes, please, please. Well, I just want to you know diversification is very important too. So we're certainly not loading up our portfolio on AI because yes. it's it's All the in. latest thing. <laughs> All in. That's right. Not not our style. We think yes. that the diversification is very important across different types of business drivers. So there's there's numerous technologies out there uh, that we're excited about. There's the biologics in pharmaceuticals yeah. right? So you, you see that innovation and AI is actually a factor in the ability to quickly identify Agreed. marketable molecules yeah. uh, for the biological treatments. So there's also treatments for cystic fibrosis for you know rare orphan diseases as well. Illumina has their gene sequencing tool, which yeah, we yeah. believe is going to become ubiquitous in daily healthcare. Um, so there's there's many types of, there's the new cash apps, whether that's Venmo, mm. you know, or cash app from Block. So lots of interesting technologies out yeah, there. Yeah,
1: we seem to be moving quite fast at the moment. There seems to be a period of change, which is, uh, yes, which plays to you guys' hands quite quite nicely, I would have thought. Um, and when you, you and the team are thinking about investments, you know, the companies that you buy you know, how much, you mentioned it a couple of times, and you've talked about being very bottom up focused. but h- how much does the wider kind of macro and wider environment play a role? I mean, I know we're living in very interesting times, cursed, you mm-hmm. might argue, but did the team expend any energy on thinking about what, you know, a second Trump presidency would look like, or, a you know, war between Taiwan and China? Or is that just, you know, just outside of what you can reasonably focus on?
0: So, yeah, it's, We don't do macro forecasting in terms of timing. We certainly understand the big picture. What we understand most is that these macro impacts are inevitable interest rates are going to go up and down. Wars are going to come and go. Presidents are going to come and go. I mean, we've owned five companies for 17 years. That's over the course of four different U.S. presidential administrations. (laughs) So what we understand is that they're inevitable, but they're unpredictable. Yes. So how do you prepare for them? We really have prepared for them through our process, only owning quality companies, companies Position for secular growth, which may feel different business cycles. Certainly, when correlations go to one with fear or greed, that impacts. But, and then we only buy companies when they're selling at a discount to intrinsic value. So, collectively, this quality growth valuation creates a, a more resilient type of company when yeah. those three things intersect. So, we're just ready every day for whatever might happen by mm. owning these types of companies and owning them at a discount to intrinsic value.
1: That's super interesting and very reassuring. Uh, and, and I guess in that context, that very calming context, what, what does keep you up at night with regards to the kind of the moment we're in, those uncontrollables, the unknown unknowns, I guess?
0: Yeah, I think I think everything really keeps us up. I mean, we do know that it's inevitable. What I would say is we're not cavalier in just, oh, it's inevitable, we're ready every day. Certainly when these things happen, what we do is examine our investment thesis. I think when you see elections happening or interest rates going up or consumer weakness, most teams will ask themselves, what is it, right? What's going on? How long is it going to last? How bad is it going to be? What can I do to take advantage of this thing that I've just guessed about? (laughs) And, you know, how can I protect myself? We think the best thing to prepare and protect yourself, again, sorry to be redundant, is quality growth and valuation. So what we're doing is we're always vigilant Mm -hmm. to anything that might undermine that long-term investment thesis because these, you know, you don't know how long a recession is going to last. You don't know if a recession is going to happen. And so if we're confident in the research that we've done, the very geeky research that we've done, then, and we can sort the noise from the fundamental drivers. So if there's fear that drives stock prices down and our long-term investment thesis remains intact, then we have the discipline and the I don't want to say hubris, but confidence, right? Because we've done the deep research to take advantage of that price weakness. Mm-hmm. Let's let's add to our position at a lower price, mm-hmm. because this too shall pass.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, th- thank you, Holly, that was really unbelievably helpful. And I think for me, just to finish off, you know, I, the, the way that I would try and view kind of funds like Holly's and and, and how we try and put funds like Holly's and Put them into the the various multi-asset class funds and portfolios we offer. In a way, what we hope you're paying for is investing superpowers. You are increasing your reach and your ability to access certain markets with people who are expert in those markets. And quite simply, as an individual, you know we've all got day jobs and stuff like that. Some of us aren't investing as day jobs, and I think we've got to try and realise that we just can't match some of the sort of you know the specialisms that the likes of Holly and uh, Loomis and other funds as well can really bring to bear. And that's that's part of the attraction of the investing landscape or so i see it anyway so we see it as part of our investment investment philosophy yes value of specialism but i think that's it from us and we will look forward to speaking to you again very shortly
0: all investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance this podcast is not a personal investment recommendation